Alrighty, y'all. So I have a big, 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 big announcement for y'all. New segment coming to the New Money Pod. It's going to be based on current events. So it's going to be a new episode every Wednesday and Monday now. So Monday, Wednesday. The Wednesday episode is going to be based around current events, around money, business, just stuff that's relevant and interesting and, you know, young, let's say new, you know, I'm bringing a good friend of mine, Ivan Yee. He's going to come on. We're just going to riff. It's going to be a fantastic little thing. We're going to give it a shot here. And I really hope you guys enjoy it. So be sure to look out for that in two days because you're listening to this Monday, hopefully. Uh, and it's coming out in two days. New segment coming to the show. Really excited. But let's get into the episode. Yo, what is going on, baby? Nathan Kennedy, The New Money Podcast, episode 130. How y'all doing, man? Thank you so, so much for tuning in. As usual, my friends, ask me any questions y'all got on Instagram, as well as if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. I would really, really appreciate if you left a review. Spotify apparently has some reviews, too. So if you can leave those, that's great. Thank you guys so, so much for all the support. So today what I have for you is a Wall Street Journal post or YouTube video, but I'm going to put it in this uh, podcast. And it's talking about how the, about how Starbucks kind of operates a little bit like a bank. And I've heard this theory before, uh, with, you know, they're pretty built out and pretty uh, sophisticated uh, member uh, app that they have, as I'm sure a lot of you guys are Starbucks drinkers or some of you are. Uh, and it's a really interesting video and I haven't watched it, um, but I kind of want to see what the data says, how many billions they've got of our <laughs> or whatever. Uh, so let's just dive on into it, baby. Okay, so how it's going to work is we're just going to watch the video and uh, when I want to say something or explain something or just react to something, I'll just pause it. That's how it'll go. So let's just get into it. If you've ever ordered something at Starbucks, you've probably loaded one of these. Starbucks, between October and December, has said something like $3 billion of value is loaded onto these cards. I mean, that's a lot of money. Holy shit. Three billion something. That's crazy. I, I think you you could probably find this. I think I heard this somewhere. You could find this on their their like quarterly filings or, or their income statement or something like that. Uh, their balance sheet. And, and they have to report this, obviously. But I forget what it's under. Maybe they'll talk about it in this episode. So much money, in fact, that if Starbucks was a bank, it would rank as the 385th biggest in the country. And it's money that Starbucks gets to use upfront as revenue before a single product is even purchased. Eventually, it is a liability if someone chooses to use it. And you will find that in lots of gift card programs, there are plenty of people who never use it. Okay, so that's a big, 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 big fact. And there's a huge personal finance implication here. There are billions and billions of dollars worth of, I forget what the term is. Maybe they'll talk about it. It's the equivalent of like spillage or unused, uh, uh, fuck, what's the word? We're going we're gonna to hear it in this video for sure. But basically, there's a lot of people that just don't use up a gift card, right? And so that's why, generally speaking, it's not the best to use them because unless you're very savvy and I mean, you know, you listen to this podcast, baby, you're pretty savvy, but you know, it, a lot of times you'll find that you just, I don't know, you, don't, you forget about it. It's in your wallet. I mean, I had a Tim's card, even me, like I had a Tim's card in my wallet for like, 
like six months, seven months, like it's just sitting there. And I'm think about how many people have a Tim Hortons card that's just not being used or whatever card, whatever card. Yeah. Starbucks gets that right away and they can go and develop and invest and do all kinds of stuff with that because you're literally giving them the money and they are essentially just at cash when you buy deducting whatever. So they're giving it to you on the house, but they get the money up front and you get no interest on it. But you do get the little stars and you do get the incentives and a free drink on your birthday and all that kind of stuff. And honestly, the app is pretty cool and it's very well done. But, you know, that, I mean, that's what anybody would say to, to sort of justify it. But yeah, a lot of gift cards just aren't used up and it's insane. And you, they literally just make free money. It's fucking insane. So, how important is Starbucks' mobile app and gift cards to its bottom line? And what role does technology play in its continued evolution? This is the economics of Starbucks. Wow, we haven't even started. <laughs> I'm already, already a few minutes into me talking, and this is like, like, this is the video, and we haven't even gotten into it. In 1971, the first Starbucks, a small, unassuming cafe, opened in Seattle's downtown. Fast forward 50 years, and that store is still in operation. But Starbucks is a global coffee giant. Only McDonald's is bigger than Starbucks when it comes to market caps. So they are really uh, a powerhouse when it comes to really the whole restaurant industry. In its early years of operation, Starbucks expanded slowly and only within Seattle. It wasn't until 1987 when the original owners sold the company to its then marketing director, Howard Schultz, that the Starbucks that we know today took root. Okay, Howard Schultz is a fucking badass. I, I listen to a lot of like entrepreneurship sort of background stories, and he's like one of those characters that's always in the background. He, he fucking like knows every. I mean, he's a CEO of Starbucks, but people speak of this guy in such a regard, like, you know, executive CEOs, whatever. And you look at the body of work that he's done with the company. It's incredible. But I didn't know, I, I didn't, I knew that he wasn't the founder, but like, could you imagine if you're the original Starbucks owners and you sold it off and this guy fucking turned it into Starbucks? Like, how do you feel, bro? You know what I mean? Schultz began expanding Starbucks outside of the city and introduced Americans to what was then a little-known Italian drink, the espresso. They were really founded on this coffee house culture that they make each beverage by hand according to order. As Starbucks has grown, that has gotten more complicated. Today, Starbucks says they make more than 170,000 different varieties of drinks. Okay, I would really love to, like know what constitutes a drink like are they talking about a coffee with one sugar a coffee with two sugars a coffee with three sugars like a hundred and seventy thousand like i'm cynical on that these beverages can be very complex they can take a while they can take many different ingredients and so it's good for starbucks and that these tend to be higher price beverages but for workers the baristas they can be very complicated the company's early investment in espresso has transformed to many different signature drinks, from the creation of the Frappuccino to the launch of the Pumpkin Spice Latte. Pumpkin Spice Latte! High five it! They really didn't know that it would take off like it did, but clearly it has formed quite a phenomenon all around the world, really. We introduced pumpkin to spice. Us here, Starbucks. One additional thing in Starbucks' evolution is cold beverages have become 
much more important to the company, whether it's just an iced coffee or a nitro iced coffee or all these cold foam and cold brewed. Increasingly, this is so important to their revenue. The company has gone through periods where Frappuccino sales have softened, but they've come up with more cold drinks to keep people interested and keep people ordering. Okay, so that doesn't surprise me at all. Like, I'm the freak show that orders cold coffee in the winter, right? I I do. Not always, but I do. And I am starting to think more and more that I'm not as crazy as I might think. I think a lot of other people probably do. And if you think about it, like logistically, it's probably, I, I mean, maybe I'm not thinking through this fully, but isn't it easier to have cold coffee because you don't have to maintain, you just have to throw some ice in it and it gets to the temperature you want as opposed to having, I don't know, have to boil it, the water and get everything going. I, I mean, I imagine it's a much, much more low maintenance, quicker to make. You, you can use older coffee, things like that, repurpose coffee. I really I've never worked in a coffee shop or whatever, so I might sound like, duh. But like to me, it's like, yeah, that makes a ton of sense because it's just a much lower maintenance drink. In part due to the company's Seattle founding, technology has played a large role in the change dominance. A key moment of that was the founding of its mobile app in 2009, which was very early for one of these kind of apps. And they really saw this as a digital flywheel. At the end of 2021, mobile orders accounted for nearly a quarter of all Starbucks transactions in the U.S. Many of those purchased through a virtual Starbucks gift card, which was previously the only way a customer could order on their phone. Today, a little under one half or 44% of all transactions at Starbucks are done with a Starbucks card. In fact, so many Starbucks customers use a Starbucks card or the Starbucks mobile app to purchase items that Starbucks says it holds about $2.4 billion in cash that was uploaded by customers to be used later. That number exceeds the deposits at many American banks. Okay, so you guys can't see this, but (laughs) that's just the United States and Canada which I'd imagine are two of the most prominent nations with the Starbucks app. I know they are. I know obviously the States, but Canada, it's, it's, it's massive here too. And around the world, I'm sure it's, it's prevalent as well. That's crazy. Like that's insane. And 44% of transactions go through the app or the virtual whatever. Like what? That's insane. That's crazy, crazy. Like I can't even wrap my head around that. Starbucks also gets a lot of data from that. They own a lot of that data in a way that many companies don't because they have created this whole ecosystem where people are, you know, using the Starbucks app, they're mobile ordering, and they're hooked into that Starbucks unique proprietary system. As mobile payments rise, Starbucks's business priorities have shifted. Prior to the pandemic, approximately 80% of U.S. Starbucks transactions were on the go, either as drive through or mobile order. Starbucks started in cities, but really has spread all around the country, including the suburbs, and a lot of that is through drive throughs These alternate pickup options are becoming increasingly important to the company's bottom line. Especially during the pandemic. I mean, these stores have been a lifeline to Starbucks because they kept running and people could easily queue up and go and not have to enter an actual cafe. Starbucks has long said that it remains committed to a set of values established early in the company's existence. Starbucks is very committed to trying to create a connection between its baristas and its customers, even in its drive through They talk about this on earnings calls, that there are these customer connection scores. Okay, so I have definitely seen firsthand 
bro, like every Starbucks, like Starbucks that I go to, like I run into or I see the baristas like yucking it up with a regular there. And it's just like every single time there's just such a good relationship going on there. And I feel like that's part of their hiring process. They're really getting good people in the door. I've never, ever talked to or been annoyed by Starbucks, a Starbucks employee. I don't think I can say that about literally any other restaurant, right? I mean, these guys are just cut from a different cloth. Um, not to, you know, fluff up Starbucks too much, but truly. And, and I think the experience that they have given and their app and they're just a God, they're world class for a reason, right? They want to make sure that everyone is feeling good about their Starbucks experience, which is getting increasingly challenging when you're ordering through a drive through or a mobile app, you're trying to get in and out. Starbucks says those values also appear in the manner in which their stores are designed. The items you will find in the store, they really choreograph that down to where the basket of waters is placed into a store. They want this all to feel very similar. Starbucks has long touted its internal culture, which it says is built on a strong relationship between management and employees. The workers at its stores are not called workers or baristas, they're called partners, and this is very central to the company's ideology. Part of that is that all these partners do get shares in the company. It's called Beanstalk. That relationship may look different going forward for some Starbucks locations after two of three Buffalo stores voted in favor of unionization. Since then, Starbucks has thrown huge amount of energy and resources into this issue, and executives have traveled to Buffalo extensively to meet with workers to try to understand their concerns. According to the company, they want to maintain this direct relationship with their workers. They call unions an intermediary. Okay, so back when I was working at PepsiCo, unionization was like the U word. Like you didn't even say the fucking word. Like, okay, so let me let me take you guys back. So like PepsiCo and their employees has a dec- decades long, decades, decades, decades long history as one of the best employers in North America. You know, they have one of the best pension plans. I, it, it started, it's not as great as it once was, but like they're the gold fucking standard, historically speaking, you know, for treating their workers in, in, in food management and food manufacturing. So I worked on Frito-Lay and I was in management and the Worst thing, like literally the worst thing that they told me that could happen is if the fucking employees unionize. And honestly, I see it from the employee side. I see it from the employer side. Dude, unions, like like it depends what the industry is, but unions can really make a company like absolutely tear apart a company. They really, really can. Because if I look at objectively speaking, how well the employees were treated at PepsiCo, you know, great culture, fantastic, you know, all these benefits, all these programs, you know, union comes in, you go completely to zero, like everything's off the table. They have to renegotiate everything. The environments are much tenser. I haven't worked in a union environment. I've just observed because if like, again, I I worked at Frito-Lay, but it's funny because in PepsiCo, Frito-Lay is a subsidiary. And then you also have the beverage side. So beverage side, I believe the uh, truck drivers and some of the, some of their, some of the beverage side was unionized. And it was like a stark difference in how they're treated, the work and everything like that. You know, they just seemed more bitter. I, I don't know, man. It was crazy. And this is all anecdotal, but 
yeah, this is like probably universal to any big company. Like they do not want to fucking unionize. They don't want their employees to unionize because things get much more tense. It's more hostile. You know, every time it's like, okay, you can't talk to me. I'll go to the union, whatever. And yeah, there's more established ones with maybe, let's say for teachers or for athletes, let's say. But, you know, I really think that you will see companies like literally send like Howard Schultz will like talking about Buffalo. Like I'm not, I wouldn't be shocked if this guy took a flight out to Buffalo personally to like deal with that because of how big of an implication that can have on a global company. They do not want that relationship to be severed. But according to these workers, they who support the union, they want a more direct relationship with the company. In a statement to the Wall Street Journal, Starbucks said, Starbucks' success, past, present, and future, is built on how we partner together, always with our mission and values at our core. From the beginning, we've been clear in our belief that we are better together as partners, without a union between us at Starbucks, and that conviction has not changed. Okay, so at first glance, this like sort of wording around partners versus employees, to me, is kind of disingenuous. I don't know how much equity they're actually getting in the company, but... I mean, Starbucks is a massive, massive company. And so just logistic, like logically thinking here, you know, each barista, each employee probably isn't getting that much stock and they might have to opt into the program. So, you know, it might be more external marketing about, you know, or internal marketing, if you want to call it that, about how their partners and things like that. But maybe there's a Starbucks worker here that could speak to that a little bit better. But I don't know, like it just like, how much equity are you getting? If I own a few shares in, in Starbucks as a, as just like an external person, you know, like, am I a partner? Like, does that mean I'm a partner? Like we own the same equity. Like what's the, you know, but they work for the company. So they're a partner. Like, I, I feel like it's just like kind of corporate bullshit. I, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I'm, I'm happy for you guys to let me know, but I, I you know, I, I think it's a little much. They are the world's biggest coffee chain. They are very dominant when it comes to coffee sales, and they are really synonymous with coffee house culture in a lot of ways. But they do face increasing pressures. Okay, so that was the end of the video, and I don't know. I, I'm kind of disappointed. I thought that video would be better. It was a little dry at times, too. I hope uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it still. Um and it didn't really dive in as deep as I'd like about the app. I was really looking for like the app and like the how it works and the history and and how they've developed it and and you know the the banking model, let's say, and and their few. But then it kind of was touching on like their history a little bit, and then like their workers and unionization. And I'm just kind of like, what what, what is this video? <laughs> so. I think it was really interesting and, and I feel like now we know a little bit more about Starbucks and, and how they operate. Um, I think the takeaway for this video and for this episode is, hey, guys, like be cautious about, you know, uh, getting gift cards and even gifting gift cards because some folks might not actually end up using. It. I actually gifted a few gift cards uh, recently and now I'm thinking, damn, maybe I hope they use it. I'm going to remind them to use it. <laughs> and now they're going to be like, OK, well, this guy's making sure that, you know, we're using his gift and shit. But really, it's like. Yeah, the, let me pull up the statistics uh, on on and what that word was, bro. Let me find that word. Uh, gift card usage. Breakage, breakage. I'm pretty sure it's breakage. So, 
Yeah. And then also there might be inactivity fees if you forget about it. It's just so, you know, be wary about those and be wary about gifting those. Hope you guys enjoyed the Starbucks episode. But, yeah, it's always cool to get a little sneak peek behind these big companies. So that is all I have for you guys today. Thank you so, so much for tuning in. As usual, you already know Neo Financial. Go check them out freaking fantastic savings account as well as their neo card would really appreciate if you guys check that out helps support the show appreciate y'all man for real for real for real thank you hope you like the starbucks episode and be on the lookout for the brand new episode that's going to be coming out wednesday we're going to do a new segment i'll leave it till then i appreciate y'all boy i love y'all but for now i'm out this mother peace